Why don't we go ahead and start? I couldn't believe it. I looked up there and go, wow, it's after six. It's after six. It's moving on. Um, we are at vision five. There are eight visions, right? And God wanted Israel to speak His truth so that the nations would know the wisdom and desire to know the source of this wisdom that uh, be bringing people to God. God had said, uh, you're my people to Israel, and you are to proclaim my truth, and you're going to tell people who I am and what I'm about. Well, Ezekiel, uh, when you get into Ezekiel 5, 5, I think it says, <laughs> they violated God's principles. And uh, they disobeyed the ordinances and His commandments. They kept their mouth, uh, mouths closed about God, kept people from God, and we know that God chose Israel in the Old Testament to be a witnessing people. You know, to be able to uh, show people their, their lifestyle and then also in proclamation. Well, the church today are His witnessing people and uh, they're, they're a community that tell about you know who God is and bear a witness and testimony. In Zechariah 4, what you find is the most marvelous prophecy, I believe, about future Israel being reinstated and being a witness, witnessing nation. Um, it's really about light. It's the light of the world. And if, as we get prepared to go into chapter 4, let's get a really quick brief review here. Okay, through the first three chapters, there's been these visions. We've gone through four visions. It's, it, it's in a perfect sequence, actually. Zechariah, in these eight visions, he starts off with the restoration of Israel. That's what we saw like in the first vision. And we know historically that happened because they did rebuild their city after the captivity. Uh, it took a while, but they did it. And so, but also it points prophetically to the end, you know, to the ultimate restoration, uh, coming kingdom. So the the first of the visions was really dealing with outward uh, aspect, where there is a uh, a restoration uh, of a kingdom. Uh, there was a restoration of the city. There, there was a restoration of the temple, if you remember. And then we got into the vision last week in vision 4 in chapter 3, which is inward. And the inward part is, of course, that was Joshua the high priest. I think what, that's one of the most significant visions that you'll see in all of the Bible. It, it was very graphic, wasn't it? Because it was really dealing with the, the dirty clothes of the high priest. And there he is an illustration, and Zechariah was a high priest, or uh, not Zechariah, but Joshua. And he really was, but he was a picture of the nation. And the whole nation was dirty, they needed to be cleansed. Well, that's also a picture of every man, woman, child that's ever been born. They are dirty, they're they're sinful, Uh, they're polluted, and so they need to be cleansed. And so that was the cleansing of Joshua the high priest. So that was an inward... um, vision there. So you have a picture of the nation of Israel being purified and now what we're going to do is we're going to move away from that into this next sequence of this vision that deals with how useful Israel is going to be no matter what. 
no matter what they did and didn't do before, uh, we see that there's a, an inward cleansing that takes place, ultimately, the whole nation, prophetically, that uh, God has chosen uh, those people that are there that are, are His, they will be cleansed and therefore they will represent Him and be very useful in being lights, lights of the world. So the nation is saved in chapter 3, is what you could say. Uh, the priest is representing the nation there. Uh, Joshua is. And then also prophetically, the nation is used as uh, God's witnessing people in, in chapter 4, which is where we're at. So, um, let's read uh, the first five verses here of chapter 4. Then the angel who was speaking with me returned and roused me as a man who was awakened from his sleep. He said to me, What do you see? And I said, I see and behold a lampstand, all of gold, with its bowl on the top of it, and its seven lamps on it with seven spouts belonging to each of the lamps which are on the top of it. Also, two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl and the other on the left side. Then I said to the angel who was speaking with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? So the angel who was speaking with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So what we have here is another tremendous vision. It's quite almost mysterious, seemingly. Uh, see, back in chapter 1, we had the vision of the the red horse who patrols the earth, right? And that was a restoration of, of the people. And then, of course, as we, uh, we went on, uh, we see that God favored Zion and Jerusalem. And so we see visions in, in that that Zechariah has seen all the way up to the high priest. So here we go with the golden lampstand. Now, let me try something here. If I can get... This is no video, it's just a picture. Because, I don't know how you picture this, I don't know how you would draw this. And I'm not even going to say this is exactly accurate. Of the lampstand? But it might give you an idea of this lampstand and everything that's happening. Yeah. I don't know So, it's a golden lampstand, and it has seven lamps, right? Mm -hmm. And above it is this bowl. And then you have the two trees on the side of it. What in the world is that? And that's probably pretty accurate there. Um, out of the trees is coming this one big, like two, that goes into this bowl, which is filled with oil. And then it has tubes that goes down to each of the lamps. So that menorah at this time of the year to the to the Jews, you think uh, that's that's a good symbol for Israel, isn't it? Anyway, the menorah, uh, Hanukkah. You'll see pictures dealing with Hanukkah, and you'll see the you know like a lampstand. Not this whole deal here, I don't think. But anyway, um, to give you a little bit of visual, <laughs> that's what we have. You say, well, okay, that's great. <laughs> what in the world is it? Right? Looks kind of strange. And it sounds strange here in Zechariah 4. Did you say those are olive trees or just trees? Those are olive trees. Okay, that's olive oil. Yeah, and so you're dealing with olive oil. Does that say Mary Candles? Oh. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
It sure does. I don't know how those things come up there. What you know? What's going on there? Yeah. Sorry about that. Okay. Maybe you have to take cannabis to understand the picture, but I don't know. Just. The ultimate cannabis holiday gift Wow. Sorry about that. When he woke up, he had a smoke to join him. It's a close. Some of those. It's kind of bad. Sorry, here. Yeah. What well. are you guys doing? Well, we're talking about why you don't want to use it. Because <laughs> strange things can happen to you. There you okay. go. Okay. <laughs> but that's a cool picture of the moon. Too bad you can't get all those pictures. Yeah. That's right, they break down more. Do you see those little pictures on the they side like there? They look different ideas. Oh, yeah. I think you can't probably replace the other one. <coughs> because they couldn't get one big. It's like somebody broke it down. Let's go and look at this one here. Is that right here? Yeah. 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 See if it'll give us different ideas. But, you know, having that picture there kind of helps. It did with me because I kept trying. I couldn't even picture it in my mind. And then I started looking up, well, somebody's got illustrations, so I, I brought the, the laptop here and up some up came some illustrations. We're going, okay, maybe maybe that'll help a little bit. So what we have here now, we'll we'll, uh, we'll try to, to to get this, and I think it will be very clear by the time we're done in about forty minutes. Um, so you have the olive trees, you have the lampstand, and uh, you have these pipes to the seven lamps, and you have this bowl, right? Okay, so the as we move on to this next vision, and some say this is all, all these visions like at one, it's almost like one night or, or whenever uh, to Zechariah. Uh, he's done with the, the high, Joshua the high priest. Then the angel who was speaking with me, that's like a, the way we usually see this, this angel that speaks with him a lot is a regular angel. Now we see the Messiah all throughout these prop, uh, prop, pr prophetical visions, I guess you could say. And this angel is one who seems to be speaking to him a lot. And he, he, he rouses him. It's just like he, he was awakened from his sleep. As he's seeing visions, it's just like, it's, this is overwhelming. You know, you, you come off of the red horse and then later on you see this branch here. You see Joshua the high priest. And he's just blown away. And it's like, you know, it's like he's sleeping. He, he's awakened from the sleep. The angel says, hey, wake up. You know, he awakens him out of the sleep. And he sees this lampstand. You know, that, so the angel says, what do you see? So he said something like this. What do you see? Uh, behold, check this out. A lampstand, all of gold, okay, with its bowl on the top of it. Okay, got an idea there going. Uh, you have the menorah. Uh, you have a, a base here that's going straight up. It's like a candelabra and such. It's a typical lampstand at least as far as uh, people of Israel would uh, know of. And on the top of it's a great bowl, seven lamps, and you have seven pipes to the seven lamps. Um, let's turn to Isaiah, just for fun, at Isaiah 49, verse 6. Kind of see where we're 
trying to get at here. He says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant. Now, this is speaking, my servant would be who? Be the Messiah, wouldn't it? To raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. This would be the Messiah. He is the light. He is the ultimate light. And so there it's saying salvation is going to come from Him. He's going to give light to a dark world. It's a dark world right now, isn't it? But He is the light. And so we, we, we start off with that because that's the way it's going to end. But in the meantime, we'll, we'll see some other things here. Um, let's go into Luke chapter 1, verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God, this is Zacharias, uh, John the Baptist's father, doing his prophecy and song here. Because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. The sunrise from on high. Sunrise. Light. Sunrise. Uh, it's been dark. Right? The Messiah comes to a dark world. So we know that that's what the Old Testament speaks. That's what the New Testament speaks of. He is the ultimate light. Look in Luke uh, 2.32. a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. That's the Messiah again because this is Simeon. This is all dealing with the Christmas story here too, isn't it? Simeon gives a prophecy as uh, he gets to see uh, the Messiah as uh, one newborn. And so he says he's a light. A light that is actually to the Gentiles. John 8.12, and right in John 8.12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. This is really what this whole picture is really illustrating. You see the Holy Spirit and the Messiah, Jesus Christ, in this picture. But we'll see some other things. Um, Ultimately, that's where it is going though. So, uh, you know when John in John 8.12 when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, there was this court of uh, the court of women around the temple and that was the area where this, uh, what, what would be like a candelabra, it was a huge candelabra or a, like a huge menorah and it would light up. Well, when you have the feast, of course you could think of, uh, of Hanukkah you know, that's about light, right? Um, but whenever they would have a, a this feast like that, it would all light up. Well, at the time that Jesus is going through there, it's not that feast that's happening. But He and His disciples are walking by there. And as He is in that area, and they see that, you know, and it's a remarkable piece. And He says, and, and everybody knows what that is, you know, and they, it's like it's lit up. Whenever it's lit up, it's like a diamond in the sky. People are amazed by it. And he says, it's almost like this, you may have your candle, but I 
and the light of the world. See this this little thing here, you know, that represents light? I am the light of the world. That's where he said that as he was walking through there. He is the ultimate light. So as we look at that, every one of these visions, have you noticed that it always points to Christ? That's the focus. That's the only reason that they're going to be restored and how they can be restored. Go, go back to Isaiah 62, verse 1. Just jumping all over the place here. Sorry about that, but this will start coming together pretty shortly. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like brightness, and her salvation like a torch that is burning. The nations will see your righteousness, all your kings your glory. Do you see what he's saying there? For Zion's sake. Zion is Jerusalem. Jerusalem is representing Israel. Anytime it says Zion, Jerusalem... Uh, even Joshua, that was all representing actually Israel. And he says, I'll not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, Zion's sake, Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like brightness. Well, Israel is really not righteous right now. Most of the time they really haven't been righteous, have they? But God is saying, no matter what, this is my plan, this is what I'm going to do. And that's what you see all the way through Zechariah. Well, you see it here in Isaiah. You see it in every Old Testament book. Uh, It will happen. God will make sure. And by the time you read Zechariah 4, you will see again, He's saying, this will happen. Hasn't happened yet. But her righteousness like brightness, her salvation like a torch that is burning. So not only is it Jesus the Messiah, ultimately, it's also Israel. But it's also who who are the who's the light today? As Jesus ascended to heaven, the light is the church. Right? You are like a, a what? A city on a hill. Lit up. So The bowl. You know, Zechariah, he's saying, you know, okay, what is this? I, I, I don't, I don't get it. I said to the angel, what, what are these, my lord? And of course, don't you know what these are? (laughs) Well, you have a bowl, right? I think it's obvious. The bowl is full of. You guys said it well ago. Those are olive trees. What comes out of? Olive trees. Oil, Oil, right? And Israel is known for their olive oil. Very much so. It's definitely a great representation. So what would the bowl full of oil represent? Light. (laughs) Well, in the New Testament comes to its fruition. Uh, The Holy Spirit is a great representative or the oil is a great representative of the Holy Spirit. So the bowl on top is representing, you know, there's the oil coming. There's, you know, the, the bowl, the oil, you're, you're thinking Holy Spirit. 
And we'll see that as it goes on through this chapter. That's, that's the way they lit their lamps though, with, with the oil. The oil is flowing now to, as it goes into the bowl, then it flows to the seven lamps on the one big lamp, I guess you could say, a lamp stand. Seven pipes are going into each one of those, right? Now, it, it's kind of interesting. This is, this is an automatic thing happening. You don't see men or priests, which when they went into the temple, what did they do constantly? They go in, they go out, they go back in, they go back out. They're, they're continuing to trim the lamps. You know, and, and so, because they burn down, so they trim it, keep putting oil in it, they trim the lamp, they trim the lamp, they trim the lamp. It had to be almost like this is routine, and it was. The, the priests would go back and forth, by the way, in the temple just for freebies. They, uh, of course, as they would be walking in there, there would be like, uh, you know, be like a dirt floor as they had the outer part of the tabernacle. And there is the laver there, uh, which before you go into the holy place, only the priest could go in there. And then, of course, there's a holy of holies way back in the back, but that was once a year. But when they would go, before they'd go into the holy place, they'd wash their hands, they'd wash their feet. That's representing sanctification, isn't it? So they const- that's what they did. You say, what, what would they do all day? They'd keep the sacrifices going. They would keep the lamps you know, on. It was a full-time job. And so that's what they would do. There was no chairs to sit down. That's right, no chairs. They they would they could there was never a sitting down doing this. That's what priests were. It was not automatic. They had to do the work. So you have two great big olive trees. The oil is flowing down these golden channels. There it's flowing up. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly how, you know real that is but anyway it flows into into this bowl and then into the lamps god is producing life in those trees which produce oil and it's lit without any kind of human involvement although those trees are going to be representing a couple of humans in a moment but they're not they're not doing anything like what the priest did. God is producing all this. There's no priest here to trim trim the lamp in this drawing. It's not in the in the passage. It's strictly an operation by God. He gives life to the trees. They have the oil goes into the bowl, which then goes into the lamps, and it's constant light there. It's burning. Point is, is that there will be an unlimited supply of power from the oil or the Holy Spirit. And so, Zechariah has asked for the explanation. And of course, the angel said, don't you know? Uh, the lampstand is representing the combined testimony of Israel as a nation under God. Um, there's, there, there's a long way... For them to go, but remember, a lot of this is pointing into the future and the ultimate. But okay, what you have here, 
with what Zechariah has already given us through the other visions now. You guys, remember, there's restoration. So you have a nation that is restored. They've come into their own land. They're doing this work. They're revived to a degree. It's not immense. It's a small thing. But there's a restored, revived, regenerated nation. Regeneration, uh, that would be like the... Um, last week Joshua the high priest and now they become God's witnessing people they're the light that's provided by God's spirit they are the light uh, even at that time they were to a degree but the revival was very limited the restoration was very limited the regeneration was very limited but one day, this will all come about to the way that God had in mind. They so were a light even though they were peculiar people. That's what made them a light to all the other nations, just because they were peculiar practices. They were different, yeah. Mm -hmm. They lived differently. So now, we, we've, we've got vision, the, the vision that has been um, kind of drawn up by Zechariah here as he reports this. Now we go into the meaning of the vision. And that's the rest of the chapter. Two parts tonight. <laughs> uh, and this is how... Zer and he brings in Zerubbabel now. Zerubbabel is the civil leader of the people at that time. He would be the king, even though he's not, you know, he's not called a king, but he is the civil leader. He's the, he's the instrument that God's going to use to bring these people back into a restoration, a reviving, a a regeneration, um, the temple being, you know, the built the city and such. Zerubbabel plays a key role. And he's going to accomplish the work. God is going to make sure that before, before Zerubbabel dies, that he will have had something going. And he will have seen it in a restoration. Um, go to Haggai just for a moment. Chapter 4, verse 2. Zechariah just before Haggai is just before Zechariah. Oh, I'm sorry. I I might have goofed up. It's, it only has two chapters, and I'm not so sure whether. Oh, okay. It's chapter two, verse four. Okay. Um, and here's where builders are encouraged. Okay, and, and remember. Okay, you got this vision, this idea of what's been going on. People are trying to to build this place back up. It doesn't look too good right now. So they need to be encouraged, and that's what Zechariah is about too. It's it's all encouragement. Verse four. But now take courage, Zerubbabel declares the Lord. Take courage also, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and all you people of the land, take courage, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. So what he's saying is, no matter what it looks like, no matter how much opposition you get, just keep at it. Just do it. Zerubbabel, it's going to happen. You're going to see it. Go to Ezra, chapter 2, verse 2. See, Ezra played a key role in the return 
and the rebuilding also, didn't he? Ezra is back before Nehemiah. Ezra 2.2. Boy, I'm I'm really taking a long time of building this up, aren't I? Hang on. Um, There it's talking about returning uh, to Jerusalem and you know, to the city from Babylon. Verse 2, These came with Zerubbabel. And then that's Yeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah. That gives you a bunch of names. But those were going to be the ones that were going to populate, build, and do that. But they, Zerubbabel was their leader. And that, that's the idea of why, why we turn there. Uh, just in short. Okay, You're going to have priests returning. You're going to have Levites returning and such. Um, you get the numbers of them to be able to get this populated, get it, get it going. So the power now we see in verse six, and this is a key verse, folks. Then he said to me, "This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Say, do you remember this one here? Not by might." nor by power, but my by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That is where that verse is at. Every one of you have heard that verse many times, haven't you? Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That's in Zechariah 4. So that's where it's at. And so as we've seen the vision, we don't know what it means yet. Or... Anyway, uh, Zechariah doesn't. But he he, set, he brings Zerubbabel into this. Who is the one responsible? And we also know there's another one. That's going to be the priest, which is Joshua, who we've already met. So he brings Zerubbabel into this. And he says, not by might. And in the Hebrew, that refers to the strength of many. Not by might. Strength of many. And not by power. And that in the Hebrew means strength on one who is great. Somebody who has a lot of strength or power. So the strength is referring to many. Power is referring to one who has tremendous power. And what we're getting into here is it's the Spirit of God. We don't do anything by our own power, do we? Our thinking, our intellect, our uh, you know energy that we have, unless it is by His Spirit. And when you go into Genesis one two, the Holy Spirit is introduced right off the bat in Genesis dealing with creation. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Ruach. That's the breath of God. That's the idea. Uh, Go to Exodus 15. You get the Spirit of God already in, in the second verse of the Bible. Exodus 15. So he plays a key role all the way through the Old Testament, although you never hear anybody talking about the Holy Spirit. But he's very present. In Exodus 15, the Song of Moses. 
Yeah, the, uh, it's verse 10 there. Um, you blew with your wind, the sea covered them. When there would be Ruach, or even by His breath, the breath of God, <clears throat> there it's, you know, as Moses is telling about the greatness of God and what He's done in Israel, and of course He delivered them, right? So there, you know, He, he just uses that word wind, uh, which is ruach spirit uh, Ezekiel uh, you have the spirit of God that is Ezekiel 37 I'm not going to read the whole section there Ezekiel is in the prophet section just before Daniel chapter 37 that's the vision of the valley of dry bones and they're dried up and verse 14, he says, I will put my spirit within you, and you will come to life. And I will place you on your own land. <clears throat> then you will know it, that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. Just to save time, that's the key verse. I will put my spirit within you. You will come alive, right? So, in. In Acts chapter 1-8, Jesus has resurrected, getting ready to ascend. And before He does that, He tells the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall be My witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. There is the Holy Spirit who has come upon the first part of the people after Jesus has resurrected now. He comes on the apostles, doesn't He? And then the rest of the church that day, that they were the 120 in the church, and then the, what, the thousands that followed after, the Holy Spirit came upon them and that they then became His witnesses. So, oil, Holy Spirit, light, witnesses. We're, we're kind of getting this story. See, in the Old Testament, they come alive by the Holy Spirit, and then because of that, the light shines through. Turn to chapter 4, verse 31 of Acts. <clears throat> And this is the early church. <clears throat> when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God with boldness. Filled with the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit plays such a key role. That's the oil. Give me oil in my lamps. <laughs> Keep burning, huh? So historically, he says to uh, Zerubbabel, this really happened, God's Spirit is going to rebuild this place. And prophecy, what does he do? Most often it's something that is very near. But beyond that mountain range that we don't see, back beyond it, is where the total fruition comes. 
And God is so good to Zerubbabel, he's, he's going to tell him in this section, you're going to see this. But he's not going to see the ultimate, but he is going to see that there's fruition. Just like Joshua, you know, Zerubbabel is a symbol uh, of this nation. And so he would see, see the city restored. He would see this little kingdom restored, but later on a real grandiose stage. Uh, when you think of oil, what does it do? Oil lubricates, right? Burns. Uh, oil burns. Um, Cleanses. How about... Anoints. Yeah, huh? Anoints. Anoints. Yeah. Thou anointest my head with oil. Psalm 23, right? Uh, the shepherd would put oil... Uh, if you uh, oh if you uh, anoint a priest or you anoint uh, a king right Messiah actually means what the anointed one right um, so uh, uh, the anointing of the oil how about healing uh, a shepherd would put oil on a sheep's wounds to to soothe they also did it as a pestle. Yeah. To protect them. Yeah, yeah. For their ears and all That's that right. Kind of stuff. Yeah. And the eyes. Mm-hmm. Oil warms. Uh, we could use a little of that. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it invigorates. Uh, you, you can wear it. Uh, you know, alabaster, right? Uh, bottle, for instance. They would have that. Uh, Polish really to polish pop, things. That's popular now. The oils. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Peppermint oils. Essential oils. That's all the essential oils. Oh, that's huge, isn't well, it? We finally figured out that oil is really a good thing. Something to that. <laughs> Besides putting it in the car. Yeah. <laughs> you can cook with it. <laughs> cook with it. Yeah. Uh, joy. That's a big thing that uh, oil is about. Represents that anyway. Holy Spirit sure represents joy, doesn't it? So we come back to Zechariah now. I think we're starting to get this picture right. Start to come together. And so, you know, he's already said in, in 6, not by my might, or by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain. And he'll bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. What does that mean? Sounds mysterious, doesn't it? Um, Jesus had said something, you know, when you you have a mountain, if you you have the right kind of prayer, you can move it. But what is that mountain? It's not necessarily physical mountains, but he's talking about anything that comes... Uh, between us are certain things that have to be moved, you know. Uh, we have His power for that, that to happen. All that overwhelming stuff. Right, right. In this life. Was Zerubbabel going to have overwhelming stuff? Overwhelming. Anything that tries to stop God from accomplishing His work, with His Spirit, He's going to overcome it. You know, I'm going to re- rebuild this city, God says. And even though it's going to have mountains that are going to be trying to come against it, I'm going to rebuild this city, this temple, and nothing is going to stop it. God can say that, can't He? 
<laughs> I'm going to build my kingdom and nothing is going to stop it. The headstone there that it, that it mentioned, um, the top stone, the headstone, it's, in Hebrew, it's the final stone that marks a completion of a building. Okay? <clears throat> top stone. So he's going to bring forth this headstone and it says, <coughs> finished. Would you like a drink? <coughs> he's drinking something up there. Wow. I think it might be the wrong thing. <laughs> so it is going to be finished. God said, this is going to happen. Here's what I'm going to do. Um, he says, Oh great mountain. He says, Where are you? Before Zerubbabel, you'll become a plain. See, see, the Holy Spirit's not going to have any trouble as he moves Zerubbabel to bring forth this work. And you'll notice those shouts of grace, grace to it, shoutings. It's going to be a great day when that temple is going to be finished. There, once Zerubbabel's building, can you imagine how uh, excited they were? It's all about grace here. Yeah, and this is dealing with screaming and hollering and shouting jubilantly and joyfully, loud noises. That's that's the idea of this um, shouts of grace grace to it. So, the mountain is level. We go on. Get more assurance here. Also the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house and his hands will finish it. Then you'll know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? Okay. I think we did that Haggai a while ago. Just just one book back. Chapter 2, we read... Verse 3, it says, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? Now, that's, that's an encouragement that he's given. And whoever was left that had been there originally, they would have had to have been a little kid had to be very young, and they'd have to be really old now, but, you know, it's like they're looking at it, and you they saw it in its former glory. That's, that's Solomon's temple that they had seen. And nothing was going to be like Solomon's temple. He says, how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? It didn't look like much. It wasn't even, it, not even close to the same size. You know, it doesn't have all the, uh, the things that go with it. That was just amazing. That's when he says, take courage, Zerubbabel. This is going to happen. And that's why we get into that section, or that one uh, phrase where it says small things. At uh, verse 10, For who has despised the day of small things? He starts off small. And... The plan is on its way. It's going to happen. It didn't look like much, but the objective is going to be accomplished. And eventually, that temple that will be built for the Millennial Kingdom will far exceed any temple that had ever been built before. So, you get the idea of small things there? 
Zerubbabel laid down the foundation and he said, and he will finish it. What he started, he will finish. That's a promise. Zechariah saying that and Zerubbabel is realizing, I'll see this work finished. Then he says, but these seven, in verse 10, will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord, Lord which range to and fro throughout the earth. There he says the seven. Zerubbabel has the plumb line, you know, he's, as he's finishing this work. I think it explained in verse 10, what are the seven? It's the eyes, the eyes of the Lord. Well, here, what what is it? What they represent, the seven lampstands. Well, actually, it's it's the seven eyes. But these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord, which reign to and fro throughout the earth. That means he's omniscient, right? And the idea is, God sees His plan coming to fulfillment. He's guaranteeing here. He is saying, what I start, I will finish. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it, right? Philippians 1.6 Zerubbabel is going to finish this. I keep repeating that, but that had to be great encouragement to him. We've seen it in one prophetic section the book before this, right? In Haggai. Now we see it in Zechariah. Back to the seven eyes of the Lord. Mm-hmm. How do you, where else do we see that? You said that we know. What the, I mean, is there any else? Well, it just says it right here. I These mean, are the eyes of the Lord. Um, okay. Um, is any other place that, that something like that's mentioned again? Or? Let's see. Um, well, this actually. This is that these seven. The only other seven that we have in this vision are the lampstands. Right, and what does seven represent in Scripture? Completion, perfection. So in the lampstands we see that, in His eyes, you know, He sees this, He sees that it's only small right now. But why would He need But it will become completion. If you're looking at that diagram... You know, like I said, there's, I guess I just, that kind of throws me for a loop. Well, it doesn't, though, because he created, he did the whole thing, and it's it's self-perpetuating, so that, I mean, you can see that God is doing everything. And and it's just continual, it's it's eternal. I mean, it makes sense to me. Exactly. Well, 11 through 14 is where it all comes in to its fruition. So here we go. Then I said to him, Zechariah, what are these two olive trees on the right of the lampstand and on its left? And I answered the second time and said to him, what are the two olive branches which are beside the two golden pipes which empty the golden oil from themselves? So he answered me saying, do you not know what these are? No. And I said, no. My Lord, then he said, these are the two anointed ones who are standing by the Lord of the whole earth. Well, now we get into the two anointed ones. All right. Now it goes back to the two witnesses in Revelation. Exactly. 
And this is where this is leading to that. It'll take us right to Revelation 11. The, the, you know, as the lampstand symbolizes Israel in full fellowship with God, right? Becoming a light bearer to the world as He had already called them to be. In Israel, there were two specific people who were anointed in the sense of what they have here. One is a king and one is a high priest. Or this priest there. The office of king and priest. You remember in Exodus 19, I'll make you a kingdom of priests. King, priests. In in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, we are considered to be kingdom priests. So that fits right in there. Any believer, uh, you've heard of priesthood of the believer? That means they have you know, the anointing of God's Spirit to be able to understand God's truth. Um, they are actually the go-between between God and mankind uh, as being priests as we serve the, the people. And so those two offices are really key. Zerubbabel, remember, he is the civil leader. And then in chapter 3, we saw who? Joshua, the high priest. And four, you have Zerubbabel. You have the priest, you have the king. Uh, Jesus is both of those. Nobody could be a priest and a king except there was one in Genesis who Abraham came to and he had a strange name, Melchizedek. Jesus comes from him in the sense that he, you know, you had to be a Levite to be a priest and you had to be in the Davidic line, right? To be a king. Those are, you know, you've got two different tribes going on here. and But Messiah solves all of that. Here you have the these offices being represented. The ultimate king and priest is the Messiah. That whole picture is dealing with Messiah. But yet, he leaves his light here on the earth. He left us as light. Here we are. One day coming soon, Israel will also be light. They will be believers just like us, believing in the Messiah, saved the same way as us. It's all grace. Now if you have a priest upon a throne, what do you have? A king-priest. So Zechariah recognizes that he's actually seeing a picture of the Messiah. We have the light of Messiah provided by the golden oil, a golden lampstand and the oil that's in it there. So we look at this and there is this golden oil and I answered and the second time said, what are the two olive branches which are beside the two golden pipes which empty the golden oil from themselves? So he's saying it's the pure power of the Spirit of God flowing through the kingly office into the life of Israel, flowing through the priestly office, and there's the Messiah. That's messianic truth. Messiah is the source. Go now to Revelation 11.4. 
Bible, right at the end. We about made it, didn't we? you got to stop right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we can't do that. These are the... Uh, okay, verse 3. I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And so these would be the ones who would give the witness to the nation of Israel in a future time period. Uh, rather complex, but you see that the, the two witnesses that are, are mentioned there again, and um, at, at any rate, you know, like olive trees, um, when Israel becomes that witness nation, and you see 144,000, I think it's in Revelation 7, and they're from the 12 tribes of Israel, they're going to be proclaimers of the Gospel. Can you imagine 144,000 Apostle Pauls? 12,000 from each tribe. They're the servants of God. They go out to proclaim. And finally they do what they were intended to do. And of course that leads right on in to uh, the kingdom shortly thereafter. Look in Matthew 5.14 and this is what we are. You are the light of the world. Jesus said He was the light of the world. But if you have Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, you have light, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's the reason for it, isn't it? Luke 12.35 Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. I'm trimmed, right? Ephesians 5.8 We're the light of the world. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Philippians 2.15 so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That's where we live now. Among whom you appear as lights in the world. You think of Christmas time and all the lights that are out there and everything? Our lives are to be that way in a a dark world. Um, There was one other passage that I had. I think that's good. We'll just we'll just hold with that. This goes into a little bit more explanation. So 
do do we get the idea there of it all? He's saying this is going to happen. You're going to have light here in the sense, but you, you notice, do you see the automatic thing happening with God putting the life into the trees? And the trees then have the work of the Holy Spirit who then goes in and lights up this menorah, the, the candlesticks. The light comes on in the nation. So that in a way did happen historically. Of course, Christ is the, the one that it's all pointing to, but then He's left it with us. We're like that the candlestick there with the oil that's in us. But ultimately, it will come to the fruition where the nation of Israel and the body of Christ work together fully in its full array and pointing. So, from beginning to the end. So he keeps trimming. What hope so they have? Stay bright lights. Yep. Yeah. Has to keep trimming us, right? Keeps trimming. Priestly work has to be done, and Christ is our priest. He's our king. Did you get a little bit of, a, of an idea of what that chapter was about? Rather difficult. Read through it. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word and your truth. May we get a little bit more insight on who Christ and the Holy Spirit is and how each one of those persons plays such a key role in our lives of being light to the world. And as we see pictures in the Old Testament, we see it come to life in our own lives. So it's not just symbolism, but this is truth, it's reality in our lives. Regardless of how we interpret a passage like that, ultimately, it's because of Christ and the Holy Spirit as He is working in our lives. None of our work can do it. It's yours. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you guys. As we...